I describe my favorite genre as nervous laughter. Like, you know, right when you're going on a roller coaster and you're like, am I going to just start cracking up or crying? And that's, I, I want to just live on the apex of that curve. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Today's episode takes us behind the scenes of director John Lee's new horror film, False Positive. The film tells the story of Lucy and Adrian, who after months of trying and failing to get pregnant, believe they have found their dream doctor in the illustrious Dr. Hindle. But after becoming pregnant with a healthy baby girl, Lucy begins to notice something sinister through Hindle's gleaming charm. In addition to False Positive, Mr. Lee's other directorial credits include the feature films Kiwi's Big Holiday and episodes of Search Party, Broad City, Inside Amy Schumer, and Neon Joe Werewolf Hunter. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in New York, Mr. Lee spoke with fellow director Sarah Violet Bliss about filming False Positive. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Um, great, wonderful job. Thank you. <laughs> um, have you seen Rosemary's Baby? <laughs> the thing is, the thing that I... Uh, the thing, you know, like you want to really get into it or no? Or should, should, what, joke yeah, answers do, or real that answers? A, that was a joke question, but I want a real answer. The about, thing that I, you know. ne- I never really identified with I, Rosemary's Baby is they make it this demon, this devil. Right. And it's like, oh, it actually belittles the point, mm-hmm. you know? And so I always thought that was like, oh, this is a fucking tragedy. And they're making a kind of a bit out of it. It's fun. It's super spirited. I get that. But I, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to like, but I wanted to make the like tragedy version of that story, not the like, oh, you know, she's dealing with her baby and it's the devil baby and that's fun and cute and stuff. But I never found that to have the weight that it should have had. Yeah, um, that reminds me of one of my questions. My my lady said that, um, my wife, I call her my lady, (laughs) she said, oh, people don't realize you didn't make Rosemary's baby, you made a racer head. And I (laughs) I always think I'm standing more on the shoulders of a racer head than Rosemary's baby. Right. one of my questions that I think is a good follow-up to that is that the doctor essentially exploits Lucy's vulnerability, um, which at first she's really grateful for, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just nice to find, like, actually get all this attention and have, like, people looking in your tongue, like that shot of coming in and out of the tongue and, and right. ears and whatever. It's like, I'm being taken care of, you know? And I don't have to, ha- like worry about this anymore now someone else yes yeah yeah exactly and the the advantage of that that we we have such a healthcare system here in this country like we don't actually have support women i think see doctors more than men um uh but like i i have no idea what the fuck i'm talking about when i go into the doctors and so it's like you know you rely and you have this trust and you know that's where you get you know, I don't want to say doctors are evil. I don't actually have a, right. a position in this movie on that. Um, but I think that's where you can be debased pretty easily. Yeah. I think also uh, there's so much in pregnancy, particularly that you're supposed to uh, know what kind of doctor you want and what, what, and there are so many choices that need to be made and you want to uh, both like, be an advocate for yourself, but also just, you just want someone to know all the answers and they're and yeah. like, you have to make all these hard decisions or, you know, about what kind of tests to take or 
you, you I know. think the there's only one birthing center in New York City left. Is that right? Do, I'm going to guess no one here knows that. I, I, th I probably will be the authority. I think there's only <laughs> one non-medical birthing center that's attached right. to a hospital, which to me is like insane. Yeah. You know, like that we don't have this freedom of choice of options. Right. You know, that just seems that's cuckoo bananas to yeah. me. <laughs> and then it's I think it's on the Upper East Side. Like so. Right. No one in Brooklyn, the, the home of yeah. like, you know, like that kind of thinking. It's yeah. just like, so you go to a doula or something like that right. or a midwife, which is, they're amazing. They can be, and they can be great, but they also like, not all of them are, are, are signed on with a hospital. Right. So if you have emergencies, sometimes you get rushed to the hospital Yeah, and they're just like, bye-bye. Bye. Good yeah. luck. Good luck. <laughs> Seems psychotic. Uh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you, are you worried now about having a child? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a woman who isn't worried about I know. having a child. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Allison didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the doctors exploits Lucy's vulnerability. Um, uh, and it feels like that adds a really interesting dynamic to their relationship. The, the, um, feeling like grateful for that. Um, and, uh, also feeling obligated to the person who's exploiting you, um, in a way that's like, I, the whole time she's like, I can't leave it. Like it, it would be wrong of me to leave this, this person because my, my husband likes him and yeah, for sure. And everyone, he's like, you know, the hardest doctor to see. Um, and I was wondering if you just drew from any personal experience in creating this relationship or is this kind of dynamic one that you want to just keep exploring in your work or, Oh, um, exploitation. Yeah. I like exploitation. <laughs> certainly. Um, uh, the personal connection is probably, uh, previous to meeting the doctor, like why mm -hmm. I made this movie, my wife and I had a miscarriage and that sort of, you're sort of lost in those worlds. Mm -hmm. You don't know what it means and what it is. And you talk to friends and they're like, Oh, me too. And you're like, right. well, why didn't you ever say anything? Yeah. You know, like, again, we don't like, we don't talk openly in this country, um, which is just bizarre. I think finally, you know, the one good thing that COVID has given us is the actual discussion of mental health you know, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, we don't, that system doesn't support anything really with pregnant women, unfortunately. Um, so that's the personal reason, but the, the personal connection, but the idea of the, yeah, I like, I, you know, like I did, yeah, I like all sort of p power dynamics and paradigm shifts and I like mm -hmm. to critique, um, structures. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. From yeah, yeah. since the beginning, any, yeah, you know, I've made a bunch of other weird things, mm -hmm. this being a, a, yet another one that aren't like, um, like, you know, uh, like broad city or search party yeah. things that I've also done as a guest director. But, um, so those things are, I'm more into like smashing the system for sure, or yeah. at least a system, yeah. whatever it is at, uh, uh, on that day. Yeah. Well, you touched on, uh, Lucy's shame at the beginning when she's, you know, she's have had a couple of years of trying to get pregnant and, you know, not wanting to go through the, like, you know, unnatural, like not natural yeah. birth or whatever. Um, and that, that is like, f for some reason, just something that women are, you know, afraid to talk about too, other than to their husband, you know? Um, and yeah. Uh, did you, what, what do you have to say on? About that? I mean, I, the, the ending is the first thing that came to me for this movie, which you guys all just saw, which I'm happy to talk about, but I, it made me, um, 
the it made me realize that the evil that men do is rape in all its forms right. Right. and then the evil that women do is infanticide they kill their children and so mm-hmm. like i had to i i really wanted to understand and empathize and may like basically read about that as an a a, a purpose why people do that and then understanding and have the having just like a actual sympathy and empathy for that person because that person thinks they're actually protecting their children for various reasons. And the person who does that often thinks they are saving their children Mm. from something, whether Mm -hmm. it be a partner or a lack of support. Mm -hmm. And so I just started to have a lot of empathy for that character and tried to go backwards and understand why she would end up in that situation. Right. And, you know, so that exploration is the, you know, is the, the movie. whole thing. Yeah. yeah, is the whole thing of just like trying to have sympathy for that person. Yeah. Because that's, I, I can't contemplate that. Right. You know, that's the closest I can get to understanding yeah. that. When you um, come up with your films, do you first, what's your process? Do you first see like a shot? Just like luck. That or just <laughs> luck. <laughs> um i it just just depends Mm -hmm. it just depends like you know you as a writer yourself like what is it sometimes it's random sometimes it's an image sometimes it's a character sometimes it's a joke sometimes it's you know all those it's all of it yeah you know you have to micro macro all the time you have to be thinking bigger and small picture and stuff like that so in this particular case you know it was a couple things it Mm -hmm. was read me reading peter pan and my wife and i and then uh uh, yeah, and just trying to understand that that sort of image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So, how did how did you and Alana come together to work on this project? <laughs> um, I directed a bunch of Broad City, right. and then have you you know Alana? Do you I know don't her know well? her. I've met her a couple times, okay. but I don't know. She's her. a she's like a very like get things done person. Mm-hmm. So she just said, "What are you Doing working it. on? Yeah, <laughs> what are we gonna make?" And I mm-hmm. gave her this sixty page tone poem of a script. It was like a very ethereal kind of less struck, even less structured than what you saw. <laughs> um, and she's like, let's make it. And I was like, are you sure you want to do you? There's like some sure. strange things in there. Cause I think a lot of people like, you know, because I do like broad city and yeah. stuff like that. I, I think people are like, Oh, you do comedy. And right. I'm, and I'm always like, yeah, yeah, sometimes. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> sure. Uh, and so, but she was really into it. And then we sort of just like, you know, wrote, we just yeah. sat down every week, every day, whatever the schedule was, and just like turned it into a story or at least more of a story, a structure. We give yeah. it a structure. Um, and she's also known mostly for comedy and also playing sort of more of a persona. Yeah. Um, so what was it like working with her in this capacity and was, how, how comfortable was she and you? And I think she was extremely uncomfortable really? the whole time. <laughs> okay. She felt tortured. And then I mm-hmm. would just literally like, you're, you're her yeah. and the camera's right here. And I'd be like, cut. And I just go give her a hug. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. Just like, and she would ask me to be there sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. just cause like it is, she's in 99% of the movie and she has to do like literally things that are torturous, Mm -hmm. you know, like she had to go underwater, which is basically like being waterboarded. I did it. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like to understand and whatever, you know, that's what you got to do sometimes. Um, so I think it was the opposite. It was unsatisfying comedy, as you know, like you, in the room, you get a laugh. So you're like, yeah, we got it. Let's move on. This is just like, I think we got something yeah, yeah. <laughs> for her. I think she, it was unstable ground. Right. You know, it was new territory, but you know, we made sure there was a lot of things to make her feel different, which is straightening, straightening right. her hair and doing all these things about her in general, dressing her in a way that she wouldn't. So she sort of 
felt like another character. Yeah. The, the look and uh, the costumes of the film were, were really wonderful. And, um, what, what was your process with that? You know, the, the, especially in the doctor's office, the, yeah, I found, we found these, um, uh, these like, uh, I don't, they're not, I don't know what you'd call them, sexually um, excitable clothing. <laughs> these clothes that are made by people for uh, other deeds that had these nurses' outfits. And I was like, sold. <laughs> they were these just bizarre bubblegum, kind of pastel bubblegum pink, and they just had way too many buttons. And they were based on these actually nurse uniforms from the, from the 30s, oh. which I thought, uh, Eastern European, and I thought that was perfect for many reasons. Yeah. And so that, yeah, that was like a... That was just a big, like, that seems, I don't know what the fuck that is, yeah. but that seems great. <laughs> just because it's, you know, it's very Cronenberg-esque. It's yeah. very, like, you know, sexualized when it just shouldn't be. Yeah. It um, just shouldn't be. I did think about wearing that to the premiere, but I'm, I'm, I'm more shy than that. <laughs> I, you should have. Um, did you come up with a backstory for why everyone who works for Dr. Hindle is so loyal to him? Uh, yeah, the backstory is there. There actually, Gretchen Maul is his first fake child. Oh. It's his first child. Uh, and so she is actually his daughter doting over him. And then the other one is the younger sister that the older sister doesn't like. Oh. And it's just like, that's why she's always like, oh, here she is. Like, you know, like, right, right. you know how an older sister can be judgmental like that and <laughs> responsible. So like that, that was the backstory. Of it. Oh, yeah. cool. That's good to know. Do you want one of those outfits? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't really suit me. No, it doesn't Um, seem like it. Yeah. That's why I didn't wear it. Oh, did you, uh, like when coming up with the script with Alana or, you know, anyone that you discussed it with, um, did you talk, uh, go into the psychology of why Dr. Hindle wants to spread his seed? (laughs) We did. There's actually a bunch of little, um, little secrets in the movie that we, we uh, compared him to Johnny Appleseed. That was our joke. Uh, That's why his name is John. Uh, uh, and he, uh, he sort of whistles a tune very similar to the Johnny Appleseed song. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, the reason why, I did a lot of research into those doctors, and there's mm-hmm. like a lot of little things. Like when, he, when she confronts him and finally beats the shit out of him, he's holding a jar of his own, um, his own fluids. Right. <laughs> and Basically, a doctor would do that all the time. A nurse called him out and finally discovered what he was doing. Yeah. A couple would come in, and he'd be like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. He'd go into the bathroom, and then he'd come out of the bathroom, and he'd inseminate them. Yeah. And like, they learned. Like, and so that's literally what he was doing. So that moment is there for, you know, it's all based on truth. Most of what he did, the like saying that you have low HCG levels, that's, right. a, little, that's a fake thing that those doctors uh-huh. do. They say you have a problem. Right. And that actually problem is pretty normal. That's like you should actually be, have low levels right, right. when you're pregnant. But if you don't know that, you'd be like, oh, my God. Right. And so they take advantage they, of their authority and then they're like, yeah. I got you. I yeah. can take care of you. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that was a lot of research. And the end credits were originally going to be um, a photo montage of all those doctors. But legally, oh. um, we weren't allowed to because some of what they've done has not been illegal. It's not against the law. Some of them have never admitted it, so it'd be, I'd be liable for, right. for stuff that they clearly had done. Yeah, we, yeah. Can pr- we can prove it genetically, but it actually doesn't say in, all, in a lot of the contracts when you go to fertility doctors, it's, it doesn't say that that can't be the process. You actually don't know who's impregnating you often. Wow. And so it's up to them, basically. It's at their discretion. Oh 
my um, God. Yeah, so like, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, that's why the, the, I didn't want it to be a monster because the right. truth is the tragedy is actually. This, this is a real life right thing. There. Yeah, it's not only just a real life thing. People have done it, but there's, it's not always illegal. Right. Like, and literally doctors have left states and just gone to another state and right. I'm a doctor again. Here I am. Yeah. You know, which well, is. Why, why do you think they want to do that? <laughs> I, I actually, my came to the conclusion that they're just lazy assholes. They're yeah. actually, it's lazier to do this because it's just easier. Why pay someone to come in and donate sperm and do the, the actual work of going uh -huh. like, oh, here are these people. We've done all this. This is who you might be getting. It's right. just like pure laziness. Like often with the ego, I think, or with hubris, it's that. It's no. just like you get this belief that you can solve their problems. Right. And why not just pop into the bathroom? It's, yeah. You know, like, that's, it's, right. it's truly, that's, that was my conclusion. I, I, none of it, everything else is just ego driven, but I often think just stupidity is, right. is the case. I'm having a, I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's an SVU episode. I'm sure about there is. I'm sure there's an John SV, Stamos. There's an SVU episode about most things. Yes. They've made how many? 10,000 episodes? Yeah, I don't, yeah. It's 20 years, 20 yeah. more than that. But I don't think um, this would be on SVU. No, I don't it, <laughs> It's not quite the right tone. Um, also, but oh, also, I'll sprint. So, my friend has a podcast about fertility, and she had a um, person on her podcast who like donate her donates their sperm right. consistently, and also he's he like keeps track of. I don't know how. I don't. I can't remember. But it was like he was really into literally spreading his seed. Like, he, yeah, and yeah. even though it, he didn't get any money for it or anything, he just like wanted to have, to populate the world with his children. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I have, I like the people who, the women who throw their babies out the window. I want to understand that I'm not interested right. in this. <laughs> I don't think that's a, that's a character that, I, that we need to explore. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is just, my my own curiosity. How did you do that reflection shot? Oh, <laughs> the, oh, the, the mirror. Sink. Yeah, the actual one. Yeah, that is actually really easy. Okay. So I filmed it <laughs> to to go straight on, and it just wasn't actually exact. Mm -hmm. So I just flipped the frame. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I just was in the editor's John Philpot, and I just said, "Oh, Philpot, it's just mm -hmm. it's not it's not a hundred percent accurate." Right. And I was just like, "Just flip the frame." Yeah, it's yeah, often yeah. the the best answer is just really technically easy. <laughs> right. Like, you know, just like double it up. Visual effects. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of mirrors in there. Yeah. That's the, you know, the one where she's rebirthed and sees her bloody self. I couldn't do that one. I couldn't flip that one because uh -oh. we did that tracking shot. In oh, and right, right. So right. it was slightly off. Yeah. It's got to be I know. on sticks, I, I guess. I know. I'm a, little, <laughs> I'm a little upset about it, but I'll, I'll get over it. It's uh, really fascinating to see departures into like surrealism such as the twins floating out into space and striking in a striking image in a movie that starts out grounded. What's your process for designing how these moments will feel and when and how to introduce them to the storytelling? Uh, I think it came on early into the story, into the, the writing of the movie. I, I wanted people to know what it felt like to be gaslit, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, I'm going to guess women know that more than men. <laughs> uh -huh. You know, I've only sort of experienced that very little in my life, but it's cinema seemed the perfect form to do that. You know, it already is a lie. So why not just overtly lie to the audience, mm -hmm. you know, because you take those leaps of faiths. And so I wanted people just to experience that kind of like, yeah, you're just debased and you don't know. And you literally start 
wait, I just, but I just saw that with my eyes. Right. Only one time does she wake up from a dream. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have that trope in there because it's the obvious one right. with the sexualized one with between Hindle and her husband. Mm -hmm. That's so clearly like impossible. Like right. where did you, how did she get in that room? Right. All those things. So I wanted to, I wanted you to know that I understood that. <laughs> um, but like other times I kind of was really into people not knowing where they were right. and on purpose, you know? And so like that just leads itself to then in her character intuition and um, kind of fantasy and all those things and questioning reality. And so mm -hmm. then you kind of have to do it. If yeah. you, you know, you have to be strange. So I don't know if I found an excuse to be strange, you know, or, or if it's vice versa, but I think in this particular case, I, that was like written into the thing because the debate is not, is she crazy or not? Right. It's what drove her crazy, right. you know? And it's the idea that people say you're crazy that drives you crazy, right. you know? So like that psych, it's just a cycle. And mm -hmm. as people are like, well, was she, is this really real or not? It's like, I'm actually not interested. I don't care if you think it's real or not. That's not the discussion I want to have. Right. It's just like, you know, why did she get there? Or what yeah. made her feel that way? Yeah. Does the movie look and feel how you imagined it? Ooh, that's a good <laughs> question. Am I satisfied? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the ending still does. Mm -hmm. The You know, you make a movie, you see it a thousand times. You make a yeah. show, you see it so much. You're just like, it's fine. It's good enough. You know, but right. I think the ending still like actually affects me. Good. You know, like in a good yeah. in a way that I'm like, oh, good. Yeah, it still yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. I'm still like both sad and elated. It's happy, but tragic all mm -hmm. at the same time. And it's like weird in a, in a place that I like to live in. Um, but uh, it it. Yeah, pretty much like that weird reflection shot I wrote in the script. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to, her to be. I don't remember what the script says. Lucy and her husband stand in the mirrors uh, and they're reflected. So it's a four shot where mm -hmm. she's surrounded by two men. Mm -hmm. So that's all in the script. Mm -hmm. And that was all very specific. But Pavel, the DP, he added some other strange, interesting things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I'd say it's like 89%. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a pretty good, good number. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I also feel like when when I ever whenever I make some, it's on the first day I'm like oh okay that's what it is <laughs> no yeah but like it's just like okay I'm seeing what it is yeah yeah no I someone a friend uh someone who was unkind to me told they were like in the middle of it there they're like uh, we were getting into this discussion of dreams and movies and I was saying you don't always have to wake up from a dream in a movie and they're they were like like who no one does that and I'm like, Kubrick? Right. <laughs> I don't know. Have you heard of him? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and then this, per this person was like, well, this movie, that shot's not a Kubrick shot. And I was like, I have like, like he had $8 million 40 years ago. I had $4 million right now in New York City. So yeah. like, I can't, I can't like design new carpet. Yeah. I can't paint the walls of a hotel. You know, like, so you show up and you go like, all right, this is going to be good. Yeah. We'll make it work. You know, like you have to be practical or you're just never going to actually make something or get something done or you're going to take five years to make something yeah. which is a different sort of torture and i think it like a lot of that does come from television which i think is a little bit more you know practical and working class mm -hmm. if i can add um some class to it uh i think i think it is you know i think mm -hmm. it i think that makes more sense you start to just you're in new york city too you just right. start to go like all right great so there's like 40 people who just won't move <laughs> yeah Let's shoot. Let's shoot. They don't want to. Nope. They're, they're throwing a fit. Let's, let's, let's change the scene or yeah. like, just go like that. Just look that way. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. like, it's just a real thing you have to deal with. Yeah. What did you learn about yourself as a filmmaker when making this? 
Oh, these are terrible questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that is a, I, I think the editing process of this was um, the most difficult thing I'd ever mm. done. Yeah, and it was just me and Phil Pot, who I'd known, you, yeah. you know, but I'd known for, he'd worked, he started on Wonder Shows with me, so mm -hmm. I've known him for 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Like, you know, I made music videos for his band, we've like, we're friends, we hang yeah. out, like, his kids know my kids, we go, we go hang out together. Uh, and it was like, it was a really isolating process, mm -hmm. you know, which was very strange. So I don't know what I learned during that process, but I learned that I got through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned to be, I feel like I'm a pretty patient person to be more patient. And I learned to kind of be, um, maybe more daring than you think you need to be, mm -hmm. you know, or like a little more bold than you need to be. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wh what, what was more, difficult about this editing process than other i mean you saw the movie's weird it's weird right yeah the movie's weird i i think <laughs> literally people were like you know uh, you and made it, broad city yeah, you did you search like party it, make it weird in the right way you know like that's, yeah. that's uh, no the, I, there were things literally of wanting to take some giant chunks out of that mm -hmm. i was just like if you do that then like should we remove the ending of the movie right <laughs> yeah like the entire, like that whole throwing out the window, breastfeeding, right. should that go out? Right. And I was just like, well, then what the f what is, is the it? movie? Yeah. <laughs> What's the, f like, what is it? And, yeah. uh, you know, like out of uncomfortableness with the issues. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, this movie's about the issue. Right. So we actually can talk about it, you know, right. but like, you know, when you, when cinema, which I don't like to throw those things around, get <laughs> called like misogynist or racist, it's often because those movies themselves don't actually talk about those things mm -hmm. when they should. Right. You know, and so like if you don't, if you're not talking about race when you're talking about feminism, hi, yeah. um, you, you might be doing a disservice. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, when you remove things from a discussion, it actually hurts the discussion when you're not talking the full like rainbow mm -hmm. of the discussion yeah and so where there were a lot of discussions like that where right. i was like yelling on the phone uh <laughs> trying to explain the difference between satire and parody uh. thinking like oh <laughs> i'm losing because i'm explaining the difference between satire <laughs> and parody and then i got a cookie and i felt better <laughs> so that's what i learned about myself that's great yeah. um that's all i have are we opening it to yeah the audience yeah everyone every person here has to ask a question <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I really love dread. You know, like it's very Hitchcocky and I love the like, I don't, I, in a movie, I don't, when they, you know, I love the push into the door and the pull back and the person just slowly creeping. I never care what's in the door. I never care when they open it. I don't care if it's a dumb cat jump scare. I don't care if it's a monster. To me, I'm, I'm always like, let's just, can I just make a Michael Snow version of that? Just it goes on for like hours. And so I just really wanted to feel that way. My fa I describe my favorite genre as nervous laughter. So like I like, you know, right when you're going on a roller coaster and you're like, am I going to just start cracking up or crying? And that's I, I want to just live on the apex of that curve. And so to me, that's the best place also for like comedy, which could, can get to satire or, you know, some some stuff in there. And then or just like, you know, scares. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, that's my favorite feeling. This basically almost picture locked right before the pandemic. Um, and so uh, I was basically, we tried, we were like one of the first things to try to mix and color correct remotely 
which is just kind of like nonsense. You know, like you can only do it so much. Like you can only mix and do all that. So I, uh, what was I was doing? My, my wife, she also is a creator, uh, Allison Levy. She uh, sold an animated show to Adult Swim. She's making a half an hour animated show right now. And so I was like the, um, the janitor, the chef, the like assistant coach to our children, the IT guy. Like, you know, I was just like the stay-at-home dad. Yeah, like, you know, which was like both lovely and um, the walls are closing in on you. My, my daughters told me that I drink too loud. That's what I learned. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did during the pandemic. And then I just wrote. Uh, I, eventually, I couldn't write at all, and then I eventually wrote near the end. I was finally able to write something, but it was a very muted kind of experience, you know, and just hanging out with them and, like, trying to teach them, like, to be rebellious, you know, like trying to teach them to learn how to get their frustrations out in some way. So we would get those um, bubble teas. Do you guys know what bubble tea is? And we would shoot it at cars because <laughs> it's harmless. But I also wanted them to learn like rebellion. And, you know, they're, they're two lady babies. They're girls. Um, and so I just wanted to be like, you know, like, yeah, let's go out. Let's get our rage out. Like, what do you want to do? Smash bottles? I don't know. Like, let's do it. Let's, and we would drive like for hours to go get ice cream. I don't know. You just try to make this the kind of miserable, mundane experience, at least like light in some way. That was my job. Yes. Thank you. Oh, thank you. No, no, thank no, you. No, no, and no, I'll no, see no. you tomorrow at work. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> okay. I'm directing a bunch of search party. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes featuring today's top directors sharing behind-the-scenes stories of their latest films and insights into the craft of directing. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally. 